Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Coach Paula. Hello there, boyfriend. I mean, Coach Larry Dean Roberts. How's your training going this week? Well, my training this week just started today with just a two-mile streak run. So I'll probably have to get back with you tomorrow when I actually have some hill repeats. Then I can let you know how the post-fourth marathon of the year legs are doing. But your run today went okay. Yeah, just a very easy two miles and felt pretty good. The weather's cool. It was sunny outside, a beautiful day. It's a good day to think this is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in Him. Amen. So, yeah, it was good. And uh, you went for a swim this morning? Yes. I took about a month off of swimming after doing the PTO US Open, but I got back in the pool today. So I timed it just right so that I'm restarting about the same time that high school swim practices start. Oh, boy. Bethany said you beat her to the pool this morning. I hope you didn't take her favorite lane. I did not. I selected the lane adjacent to her favorite lane. I was the first one on the pool deck today. Man, she was surprised when she went out there and you were already out there. Mm Mm-hmm. She's usually pretty quick. Yeah, you got to get up pretty early in the morning to get ahead of me. Oh, my goodness. You are your father's son. But the swim went well. Nothing fancy, just an easy 2,000. Yep. I do have to tell a little story on you yesterday, though. Okay. So, Bethany was over here, and we were just having a little family game day, and your dad texted and asked you to come over and help him with something, which we're always happy to help out, but I was thinking to myself, self? (laughs) Wow, Mr. Roberts is over helping his dad. I'm going to practice my violin. Well, you had other plans. You wanted me to go visit your dad, as I should go visit your dad, but I was just kind of thinking to myself. Anyway, I think maybe after we left there, you kind of wished I'd stayed home, because I think I've spent a good $3,000. We haven't spent any money yet. We haven't. Anyway, they're getting a really cool finish on their garage floor, and when we bought our house, it had indoor-outdoor carpeting in the attached garage, which I thought was a little odd. And I think the previous owner, whenever it would rain or snow, he would leave his vehicle outside of the garage so as to not mess up the indoor-outdoor carpeting. But to me, the whole point of having an attached garage is so you don't have to get out in the elephants, aka elements. So I would just pull my wet car right in there on the carpet, and it just deteriorated quickly. So how long has it been since we ripped that carpet out? It's probably been about a year. Yeah, so the garage floor looks a little rough, and I didn't know there was such a thing as what your dad is getting done. So, yeah, I found the website, and I put in a little request for them to contact me. But so far, you're um, in luck. 
They have not contacted me. Or they will. We shall see. They will eventually. It'll be nice if we do it, but and it was still nice that you got to spend some time with my dad. Yep. And Bethany went over as well, so she got to see him. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, really don't have any L.A.N. things to talk about because I haven't seen the baby. But I will see her in a couple days. I have a long list of things to talk about today. Oh, well, I better just cut out the small talk. What are we starting with? Random news nuggets? Of course. Of course. So, in the last podcast, we were talking about the Ironman World Championship. And we mentioned that Chris Nickick was the first person with Down Syndrome to do the Ironman World Championship. Well, it turns out he's going to be doing the New York City Marathon with us. Really? Yes. Hmm. We may not see him with the other 50,000 participants, but he will be there, and he is going for the six world majors, just like we are. Really? He'll probably get his quicker, though. Yeah, I'm sure he'll have no problem getting into the races. That's our problem. Which, we wouldn't have any problem getting into it if we weren't such tight wads. Because you can pretty much buy your way into anything. Pretty much. But, you know, we try to be frugal. Mm-hmm. All uh, right. Moving on to the next topic. You remember the TV show, The A-Team? Brief. I mean, I remember it. I remember you watched it, but I never really watched it. I know there was a big guy with a bunch of jewelry on. That's who I wanted to talk about. His name is Mr. T. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out Mr. T got saved. He had a bout with cancer. I think it was back in 1995, and he turned his life over to the Lord. Hmm. And I didn't know he was on Dancing with the Stars. You used to watch that. Yeah, I had to quit watching Dance with the Stars, but we won't get into why yeah. on this show. But anyway, he was in one of my news feeds about starting to do some preaching. That's good. That's pretty cool. It seems like I'd heard before that he had turned his life over to the Lord, but I guess it's come back up because now he's going to be a preacher. Preacher preacher T? Is yeah. he going to be preacher T? I don't know. I'm not sure. Let's see. There was a Training Peaks article this week that I thought was quite interesting, and it just kind of confirmed some things that I feel like we have known or have seen in other research, but... Some tips to reducing your chance of getting an illness, which is something we really strive for as we're getting close to a big race. So some of the tips were get plenty of rest and then a proper blend of specific training and strength training and then adequate protein. You may not think that protein is something that can increase your immune system, but that's what this article said. Yeah, and I feel like that's where a lot of athletes struggle the most is in general, with fueling their sport properly. I mean, this is just a day and age where it's easy to eat a lot of garbage, a lot of food that is prepared in such a way there's no nutritional value left in it. And we often think that because we're endurance athletes, we need to focus on carbs. And we do need carbs, but I think we get carbs pretty naturally, whereas sometimes we have to work to get proteins. Yeah, and I was reading an article last week about carb loading before a race, and um, I may have already shared this with you, but basically carb loading doesn't mean throwing everything else out the window and eating piles and piles of spaghetti the night before the race. It really just means taking your typical balanced diet of a good mix of protein, healthy fats, and carb, and adding a few carbs in to each meal. 
So you still eat your protein and healthy fats and then maybe just add a little more fruit or, you know, something to add carbs. Yeah, one of the things I do as I'm getting really close to the race is I continue to eat my normal foods for the most part and I shift from drinking a lot of water to a lot of sports drink. Mm-hmm. Liquid carbs. Yeah. Uh, another article was talking about... Did we talk about your last uh, tip? Oh, another tip for reducing illness that wasn't in the article, but that we recommend is in the last two weeks leading up to your big race, start taking the supplement Echinacea to help build your immune system. Okay, you can continue now. All right. So another article is talking about the importance of low intensity training. And it's real easy to think that if you want to get faster, you've got to go fast all the time. Well, that's not necessarily the case. This article is saying that, in general, pro cyclists spend about 5 to 15% of the time they're on the bike doing high-intensity efforts. So the other 85 to 95% of the time is easy riding. And the same could be translated over to swimming or to biking. And that just differs so much from what is typical for people who ride on Zwift. It seems like if there's a race out there, you've got to race it. But there are other options on Zwift, but it's hard not to get wrapped up in the racing. Yeah. So best case scenario in building fitness is you're going to do that low intensity the majority of the time and then some high intensity. But if you're motivated and you're getting on Zwift and you're going hard all the time, and otherwise you'd just be laying on the couch, then that's all right, too. Yeah, that's a good perspective. So another way to think of low-intensity training and the importance of it is, you know, build your volume by more miles on the bike, more time on your feet, and more laps in the pool, keeping it easy. And you'll be surprised how your speed and endurance improve without the physical and mental stress of the really hard efforts, an excessive number of really hard efforts. Have you heard of the 50-year-old from Madagascar, Ludovic Chorgnon? I don't even know if that's a male or female name. He is a male. He is trying to set several full-distance triathlon world records. The hottest, the coldest, the highest, and the full distance with the most elevation gain. He's just a little bit on the crazy side. He also holds the record already for the most consecutive full-distance triathlons, which is 41. 41 days, doing one every day. And the most in a year, 44. And that was probably the same year he did the 41 consecutives. I would presume so. (laughs) He did the hottest triathlon in Death Valley. He did it by himself. He did. He had a, a team around him. You know, keeping an eye on him, you know, hydration. And How do you swim in Death Valley? He swam in the hotel swimming pool. That's a lot of going back and forth to get 2.4 miles. Was the hotel in Death Valley? I would assume so. I didn't know Death Valley had a hotel within its Anyway, the temperature temperatures were up near 130 degrees, and it took him over the Ironman limit, but it took him... 26 hours. Still a little on the crazy side. All right, another story. The one-hour cycling record was broken again, this time by 
Filippo Ghana, and he beat the record by 1.244 kilometers, averaging just over 35 miles an hour on the velodrome. He was going so fast, every lap on the velodrome took about 16 seconds. That is moving. And another interesting tidbit to that is the bike he was riding was 3D printed by Pinarello. Hmm. And that was to maximize the aerodynamics. So that's the future of cycling. Just have your bike printed. And what I was reading was Pinarello will make this bike for anybody that wants to, but it's you have to order it and then they'll print it. They're not going to just print them and keep them on the shelf. Hmm. I bet it's expensive. I'm sure it is. All right. You got any random news nuggets before we get into the main event? I am ready to get into the main event. Well, let's talk about the 2022 Chicago Marathon that took place last week. And we were participants. Several RYR endurance team athletes were participants. It was a good time. Yep. We uh, got together and had a big team dinner at a local restaurant there and had us some uh, Italian fare on the, at lunchtime prior the day before the race. So it was nice to... It was, some of the athletes we had met face-to-face for the first time since we coach athletes in different states. Mm-hmm. We stayed at the Palmer House, which was just about two blocks away from the Italian Village, which was a really nice restaurant. And we were just a couple blocks away from Grant Park. So it was a very convenient location, except for getting to the expo. Which we just caught the train, so that was not a big deal. Yeah. So just a little bit of history on the Chicago Marathon. It was started back in 1977, and it had 4,200 runners, which was pretty big for a marathon back in the 70s. And now it is the second largest marathon in the world, only behind the New York City Marathon. And there was about 40,000 some odd runners. Have you heard an official count of runners? I haven't. Okay. Course is very flat, except for a few mild bridges, and the bridge or the road that goes uphill over, I believe it's some railroad tracks, right at the 26-mile mark. The herd is called Mount Roosevelt. You didn't think it was very tall? No. I was expecting it to be more daunting, just having heard people talk about it, but I mean, it's definitely not like any of the hills in Boston. It's fine. No. A little speed bump. But there were a few bridges along the way, but there was there weren't any real severe inclines. But most of the bridges were steel graded bridges. But typically on the right hand side was red carpet, which was a little bit smoother to run on than the steel grates. Yeah, and elevation is so relative. I don't know if you heard the guy on the phone, but. After we wandered around for a while after the race, we went over and you sat down and leaned against that fence. And there was a guy to your left that was on the phone and he was talking about how hilly the course was. So he must really train in a flat, flat, pancake flat area. Wow. That's really surprising. Yeah. and no, I, Nobody says it's hilly. I was trying to catch your eye to see if you had heard him saying that because I kind of had to chuckle. Hmm. Well, some years the weather is cold and windy. Some years it has been super hot. But thankfully this year it was perfect conditions. Yeah, we couldn't have ordered up better weather if we'd 
called it in and asked for it and were granted it. Like it was mid forties when we started and it was probably in the upper sixties by the time we finished, but it was fine. Yeah. It was nice that when we finished, it wasn't so cold that we needed to bundle up with any clothes. Didn't really feel like I needed a Mylar blanket, but uh, I wasn't really hot during the run either. I grabbed one anyway, just because I thought it might be useful in New York. It's a good idea. Hmm. <laughs> thinking ahead. So the the women's world record was set in Chicago back in 2019 by Bridget Koski with a time of 2:14:04, and the men's course record is 2:03:45. And this year, the winner on the men's side was Benson Capruto who won with a time of 2.04.24. So just a little bit off the course record. He looked he looked so relaxed in the final mile. His head was real stable. His uh, breathing looked controlled. His form was intact. He had maybe know, a 20 or 30 second lead in that last mile. But anyway, he looked well in control. Anyway, he did great. And then on the women's side, Ruth Chepdegich ran the second fastest marathon of all time and was just a few seconds off the world record. She won for the second year in a row with a 2.14.18. So just 14 seconds off the world record. It's kind of amazing to me that Chicago's course has the world record because I thought Tokyo and Berlin were faster races. Berlin seems to be the place where the men's world record keeps getting broken, and apparently Chicago is the place on the women's side. Interesting. It is interesting. But the big story for the professionals in Chicago was American Emily Sisson, who finished second overall and set a new American record with a time of 2.18.29. Watching the video afterwards, Emily powered it home. In the last mile, fighting for every second, even though there was no one really close behind that, that was pushing her. And it was interesting, she had what appeared to be her own pacer, because the pacer had the same race kit on as her. And the pacer stayed with her all the way to the 26-mile mark. And, you know, typically, pacers drop out around 13 to 15. Was the pacer male or female? Male. Mm-hmm. And in the last mile, and also in the home stretch, she continued to pass other male runners who were there, and it looked like with ease. And I thought it was interesting that although we thought the weather was perfect, she kept her ear wrap and her gloves on for the entire race. I wonder why that would be. Well, part of it is she started earlier. I know I left my gloves and ear wrap on for quite a while until the sun came out and started warming up but i'm sure she started a good bit before us and ran it a whole lot faster (laughs) a whole lot faster so in addition to setting the marathon american record emily sisson holds the american half marathon record with a time of 107 11 which she broke in may in Indianapolis. Hmm, that's about 10 minutes faster than you. you. You have to... Step it up. Step it up. And she bested Sarah Hall's time from January by just four seconds. So Sarah Hall broke the record in January, and Emily Sisson 
broke it in May. But in Chicago, Emily's pacing was spot on. And her second half of the race was just slightly faster than her first half. Her second half split was 109.23 and her first half split was 109.26. Yeah. Three seconds difference. I think I'd call that even splits. Pretty even splits. And breaking her run down even further, looking at her 5K splits, the slowest to the fastest 5K that she ran over the course of approximately 42K was 15 seconds difference. Yeah, that's pretty good. With her fastest 5K being the final one, when the only thing she's chasing is the clock. Nobody's catching her from behind. Yeah. So it's pretty impressive that the mental fortitude to keep pressing on. Yeah. And there's lessons learned there, too, because I'm sure she could have gotten out faster than that, but then it wouldn't have paid off later. I know we have some athletes that, whether it's a short 4K, 5K, 10K race, or a long race, they forget about, you know, what the overall pace needs to be to get a better time, and they get out like lightning and then just suffer later. So mm-hmm. some of them were still going to have to convince about pacing a little better for slow improvements over time. Yeah. So the last American female to win... Chicago was Dina Castor back in 2005. It's been a while. And the last American male was Galen Rupp back in 2017. I think I remember that. Yeah. I, think I remember watching that. I do too. So. You ran it. You ran Chicago in 2010. 10. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what your time was? It was around 251, 252. I couldn't remember. Much slower than <laughs> Caputo and Emily Sisson and Chip Nagich. Yeah, but you were in your 40s, so there was that. Mm-hmm. So, did you know that your time in Chicago qualifies you for guaranteed entry into Chicago next year? My time does? Yes. No, I did not know that. It does. What? I can't even believe that. Like, I just totally relaxed that race. I mean, it's kind of weird because the results say my average was a 9.36 per mile. I think I was chilling more than that. Anyway, yeah, I'll have to do some research into that. But no, I didn't know that. Well, we're probably not going to do it, but it's good to know it's an option. You've got four weeks to sign up starting on October the 18th. It opened October 18th. So tell us about your experience in Chicago. Okay, let me see if I can even remember my experience now because there's been so much going on since then. So I remember having the most delicious pizza ever. Talk about the race. race. (laughs) Talk about the race. (laughs) Okay, Okay, I'll back up. Rewind. So we'd had a nice pasta lunch with the team. And I felt like throughout the rest of that day, that pasta just kept expanding in my stomach. And so that evening, we just stayed in the room, and I had a protein bar and some pretzels and hummus, and then my electrolyte drink that I like to drink, and my beetroot juice. So, I don't know, I had my protein, but mostly carbs, but I was full. But the great news is, the next morning, the bathroom went well, and it's a good thing, because when we got to the race... I thought the start was laid out awkwardly. It was almost a mile round trip for you to check your bag in gear check from where we needed to start. It was just a huge walk. That's what I remember. From the hotel? 
No, from the actual starting corrals all the way around the fountain and over to the bag check and all the way back. That was a long round trip. Yeah, I'm not sure it was a mile, but it was it was a good walk. Mm-hmm. It was extensive. So at some point, I just stopped and waited for you. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that I would say about the start was there was not nearly enough porta johns. I don't know how you haul in enough porta johns for forty five thousand people though. You're gonna need a thousand porta johns. They had two huge banks of them, and I didn't count them. And that was on our side where we were of the corrals. And I wonder if the bank of portalets on the other side of the corral would have had less lines because gear check and all that was not over there. So I wondered about those restrooms. Yeah, I don't know. But logistically, it was difficult to navigate to the restrooms, and there just weren't nearly enough. I mean, I would say the Boston Marathon, which has 15,000 fewer at its cap, probably had at least double the porta potties. And plus, they had those in the middle, they had those kind of makeshift tents where men could go in there and I didn't go in there so I don't know but I've seen pictures of what's in there and it's just like four or five urinals so the guys who just have to yeah make it quick urinate don't end up getting in the line stuck behind all the other things going on Mm -hmm. so anyway I think Chicago was a great race but I don't know those big races if they're not organize extremely efficiently you better make sure you got your bathroom situations taken care of before you get to the start and sometimes that's just hard to do i remember as we were heading towards the corral we decided that we were not going to have time to wait in the really long line to get into the porta potties there was a man on his knees with his belly up against a row of hedges and pretty sure he was relieving himself right there in in broad daylight with uh you know up against the the bushes and hedges and when i took my warm clothes off to get rid of them in the corral there was a water bottle in the street with some yellow liquid in it that's just gross come on people well i know that i've heard this hike especially with men as they wear those black garbage bags and then they do that they just urinate in cups and bottles and well if you're going to do that throw it in a trash can put it in the trash can or put it on the side somewhere rather than in the middle of the corral where somebody's going to step on it yeah so anyway we got in our corral and we started in a corral behind the one we planned to start in because we just started back with some of our team and we weren't planning on racing it so we didn't really care if we were behind people who were planning to run slower than us and i do feel like we were in the corral for a good amount of time but there weren't any porta potties right there at the corral so but and they closed the corral 15 minutes before the wave started and they said if you weren't in the corral 15 minutes early then you just have to stay on the side, and then you would start at the back of your wave. Mm-hmm. So we made sure we were in the corral in plenty of time. Yeah, we were in there, but most of our team at this point needed to go to the restroom, but there wasn't anything we could do about it. So four or five of us, five of us, I think, ran together for the first few miles, and then a couple stopped there to go to the restroom. 
And then a little bit later, I guess the rest of us stopped. Yeah, I don't remember who indicated they had to stop, but we decided we would all stop. Yeah. So anyway, we actually stopped a couple of times and still ran a 930-something that just trying not to shred ourselves with New York City right around the corner. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it was by far the biggest race I'd been in. Boston was a big race, but it was much more spread out. I didn't feel packed in at Boston. Now, when I ran Boston in October and they did the rolling start, it was almost not even like being in a big race because we weren't packed in at all. But when I did Boston this past April of 2022, it was wave starts. And I mean, it was a lot of people, but A, there were plenty of restroom opportunities. And B, it just was more spread out, which is weird because the road was more narrow. So anyway, we were packed. And how far into the race were we when we went under that long overpass where you lose GPS signal. It's in. It's within the first mile. Yeah. I mean, maybe three quarters of, of a mile into the race. So we're going through this underpass. And all along the walls, there's people facing the wall. So runners are, have, are just desperate now. And they're jumping off the side of the, and urinating on the walls of this overpass, I guess is what it is. I guess we're going under a road. Anyway, aside from all that... There's this lady pushing a stroller. Now think of how crowded a huge race is. Three quarters of a mile. And this lady is pushing a stroller to get across like six lanes (laughs) from one side of the street to the other. And I thought for sure that poor little baby was going to get hurt. It was a lot like the arcade game Frogger. She was moving a little bit and then waiting and then moving forward and moving to the side, trying to get across without interfering with anybody. But she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But I think she made it safely, at least. I mean, I had no idea she wasn't halfway across the road when we passed her. Yeah. So I don't know. And then it just stayed packed for a long time. And then when we finally got breathing room, I think maybe we we started in wave two. I think maybe we caught up to some runners in wave one because it suddenly just got so packed that you couldn't even move right or left around runners. So at some points we were just trapped in behind seas of runners. Yeah, and with the race being so packed, even late in the race, as people got tired and started walking, that made it a real challenge trying to navigate around people that were walking. Mm-hmm. And I had my hydration with me for the first 20 miles and or maybe 18 miles until I drank it dry. And um, so my plan was to run through the aid stations, but I had to be really careful because there were lots of people. And lots of cups. <laughs> lots of cups and all the things. But anyway, there were a ton of volunteers and everyone was friendly and I think it would have been a frustrating race to me if I had been had some big PR go or some big Boston qualifying go. But overall, I thought it was a well-organized race. Very big fan support. Like, I thought the fan support overall was greater than in Boston. I agree. It was incredible. When I raced it in 2010, I didn't really remember the crowd support. It was all business. I had some big goals in mind, and I don't remember the crowd, but in this race, yeah, I 
can't think, but maybe one place where there really wasn't any crowd, and that was right around the United Center. Yeah, and I think that was blocked off as an area. Spectators couldn't be, but that was less than a tenth of a mile, probably. I think that's because Harry Styles was going to be there. Oh. I heard that. I don't really know who that is, but <laughs> he must be somebody. You heard that? I did. Yeah. Suzanne ran with us, and she was a big help, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. She sometimes would grab an extra cup of water and bring it to us. Very nice. Mm-hmm. She brought you some water? Well, no. But <laughs> try not to point any fingers. Yeah, she was taking care of me. She was uh, in the race. She had not signed up for the race. She, I had contacted them and asked. You had contacted the Chicago Marathon. I had. I had contacted them way back in April because when I qualified for the race and signed up for it, I wasn't having the vision problems that I have now. But I was almost six weeks out from my treatment and i just thought well if we can get her in the race that'll be good because it's very intermittent like sometimes my eyes are perfect and a lot of times on race day i don't know if it's the adrenaline or what my eyes do great but it's always nice to have an extra set of eyes and she they contacted me finally just a few weeks before the race and fortunately she had continued to train with me and she's running so strong right now anyhow she probably she probably could have PR'd a marathon in that race, but she was in it as my guide, and she stayed with me, and so three of us ran together, and it was uh, nice. She had on a bright orange shirt, so I could catch a glimpse of her, and it was nice to have both of you because I was definitely having eye problems. The only problem was is she was right on one side of me, and you were right on the other, and so y'all go, okay, there's a manhole. <laughs> well, y'all were both like on either side of the manhole. So, I'm like, yeah, there's a manhole. You're going to jump it. Because <laughs> yeah, y'all weren't moving over. Hmm. So that, that might be a tip for, for New York. So, but really, I train with Suzanne a lot, and she almost doesn't even have to give me verbal cues because I can just read her body language. Like when she's getting over to the left, I know we must be overtaking somebody. So I go lift with her. So anyway, it's all good. Mm-hmm. And one of our athletes, Valerie, was doing her first marathon. Did we already talk about Valerie's race? We may have, but it's worth mentioning again. She did awesome. Not only did she surpass her marathon goal time, but she also set a new half marathon personal best. Yeah, the first half of this marathon was like a 21-minute half marathon PR for her. <laughs> She may have gotten out a little too fast. second half was a little bit more difficult, but she finished strong. She did. And she's ready for her next adventure. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I'm ready for. What? I'm ready for some low mileage and strength training after the New York City Marathon. All right. We'll put it on your plan. I will add one more thing is this is a good time of the year to start thinking about and mapping out and planning your goals for next year. And if you would like help mapping out those goals and then reaching those goals, don't forget we're here to help. You can email us ryrcoach at gmail.com
Well, let's wrap this up with a scripture. Okay. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I like to Bible verse at church this weekend, too, if we want to throw in a bonus. Okay. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Amen. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.